Welcome back, everyone, to the Fastest Known Podcast, where very little shuck and jive. We get right down to brass tacks. We talk to some of the most interesting people in the sport. And right now, a very interesting person is online. I'm speaking with Brendan Leonard of SemiRad.com. Welcome, Brendan. Thanks for having me, Buzz. And uh, thanks thanks for calling me an interesting person. It's <laughs> very nice of you. Well, I I could call you a a top ultra runner, but I'm not sure if that'd be appropriate, would it? I just definitely not accurate. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, so why are you on this podcast, Brendan? You, you you tell me. What do you think? Um, I have a new book out called "I Hate Running and You Can Too," which which I sent you. Um, so I think that's why. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping it's uh. I'm hoping it's it applies to people who are fast and people who are not as fast like myself. So I guess that that would be the indeed. That's how I would pitch myself out. to your podcast. You you got it, dude. I hate running, and you can do. It came out March 16th. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I think it's an amazing book, um, and I'm hopefully I'm going to write a quick book review and put it on the website, publish it as one of the articles, so people. Well, it's just a few thoughts I have on it, but mainly it's your illustrations. I want to put a lot of your illustrations in it because we're doing a podcast. We're doing verbal. Well, your illustrations to me are absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm going to tell you, we'll just kick it off by saying how I started following you. And I should note, you are and have been the only blog, the only newsletter I subscribe to. There's tons of stuff out there. I don't subscribe to anyone. I subscribe to semirad.com. That will be in the written show notes in case anyone wants to follow what I'm doing. And I saw an illustration you did a few years ago. And it was titled Ultra Running. When there isn't enough fuck this shit in your life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was. Uh, I made this series of motivational posters where there used to be this thing you could generate these posters online. You know, it's like the old the old ones that say like teamwork, and it's like a photo of a bunch of hands in the middle. And they used to be popular in offices. And um, there was a website called despair.com that would do. I think they still do them, but they do all these like anti motivational posters. And they had a generator where you could make your own. Um, and I used that for some mountaineering ones that I drew, did. And then I had to make up my own um, ultra running ones. But they were just trying to find some essential truths, you know, that everybody goes through. And yeah, when you need more fuck this shit in your life is is pretty much, pretty much, uh, I think, a common thing for a lot of ultra runners. So, <laughs> well, I, I've been doing this a long time, literally. Let's see, where are we now? Da, 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 50 years, over 53 uh, years ago was when I did my first ultra distance. And I think you uncommonly hit the nail on the head. When I'm reading other uh, media, it's like, what? Really? People, I don't think people really think that way. You know, you read something in the media about mountaineers conquering the mountain. I have never heard a climber in my life say they conquered a mountain, right? (laughs) 
And then ultra runners, everyone just say, oh, yeah, I just flashed that. I just cruised it. I don't, people don't usually say that. And so I think you are a voice of the sport more than most people are. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I, I think I spend a lot of time thinking about what are all the things that we have in common and what what can we what can bring us together, you know, these sentiments and stuff like that. And, you know, things from like bad, bad attitudes, procrastinating things, you know, <laughs> we all have bad days, no matter how fast or slow we are. And um, the distance is always the same, no matter what it, the time it takes you to get through it is definitely different for, for people. But yeah, I, uh, I think there's a lot more people who, do ultra distances who don't have a chance at winning the race than there are that do have a chance of winning the race. If that makes sense, you know, well, um, statistically this is factual. Yes, for sure. I mean, people like me are not showing up at a hundred mile race going, okay, I'm going to look at all my competition here and, you know, stare them down and think about how I'm going to beat them. It's like, I just, I don't even have that in my, I started a race uh, in North Carolina a couple of years ago with a friend who's really fast, um, and he ended up he ended up having some trouble, but still got like third or fourth in the race. But he was leading for the first seventy miles, and right at the beginning, right before we're about to start, and there's only about eighty people in the whole race. I said, "Canyon, do you want to run the first like fifteen feet together?" And <laughs> and he started laughing and. We did not run the first 15 feet together. I literally took <laughs> off last and he was at the front just, just bombing, you know, and, um, but so yeah. you, you couldn't manage 15 feet. That was, that was stretching it too much. Well, I, I didn't even want to stand up front by him, you know, and get in everybody's way. It was just like, <laughs> if, if I did that, I'd get carried away and I would run fast for like five miles and then I'd be dead. And, you know, so I was like, I'm just going to start off slow and you know, continue to, to move slowly and finish the race. So the old saying, uh, start off slowly, then taper off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I always said my, my saying in my head is you're not a cheetah, you're a freight train. You know, that's what, that's what I think of like, you need momentum, right. not speed. So you yeah. need momentum. Well, you have, and you just, you know, kidding aside, you are entirely credible in the sport. You uh, have an FKT on the site, indeed, that you established last October 7th, the Rattlesnake Creek Five Peaks Loop in Montana, and this, you created the route yourself, 18 hours plus. That's a long day out there, Brendan. So what prompted you to go after or establish this FKT? Honestly, it was, you know, 2020, it was no one was doing races, so we couldn't really come together and... um I had, you know, the whole summer people were doing things that were FKTs, you know, from mostly, you know, very high level athletes. And I thought the only way I'm ever going to get an FKT is if I make something up that's never been done. But I thought it would be cool to do something that was unique enough or challenging enough that other people would actually attempt it. And um, because I am not fast. So I thought, what if I just create a route and then people have fun doing this route that I put on the FKT website? Um, I don't care if my name's ever on it, really. You know, like it's nice to it's nice to have established it, but it'd be fun for for more people to try it. So so I did. Um, and yeah, it, it was a long day out. I was surprised how long it took me. Um, I, I remember telling my wife, Hillary, 
when I left in the morning, like I should be done by like 10 o'clock or something like that. I think, you know, and I had underestimated both the mileage and the elevation gain slightly, uh, but more so I, I uh, underestimated my fitness. Uh, so I, I, once I got back into cell phone service on the top of the fourth peak out of five, I, I texted her and said, Hey, it's going to be a, like a lot later than I, than I thought. And, <laughs> um, it was a great experience. I mean, it was such a fun day just to be out there for that long. Um, because I'd spent most of the pandemic with a sort of, uh, I would say COVID induced agoraphobia, you know, where it wasn't like traveling, like wasn't going into the mountains very much just because of the, you know, just because of everything going on, it just didn't feel right. So it was nice to have one really big, huge day. Um, and I, I actually ran into a friend yesterday on the bike path when I was running, uh, who's a younger, faster guy. And he said, I think I'm going to give that a try this year. And I said, Oh, you absolutely should. You will destroy that time, you know, <laughs> uh, and that'll be fantastic. So I hope well, more people what- do it. A great attitude. This is fantastic. Like you said, uh, you finished at two fifteen in the morning, but so what? You know, you had a headlamp. You you had cell phone coverage. So your wife didn't call the sheriff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, all good. And the old uh, tried and true FKT technique is: if you can't be the fastest, be the first. Yes. Yeah, and I think I think that's what draws me to it. Um, and like the the things that I enjoy most about the website is not uh, trying to figure out who would ever, like if you could possibly go faster than somebody, but looking around at all the interesting things that people are doing. And you and I have talked about this, like, you know, there's, there's things on islands, there's things in probably almost all the States at this point, but like the, the stair, the stairs ultra marathon in Pittsburgh that, has like 7,400 feet of elevation gain. That's fascinating to me. The guy who ran and connected all the path train stations in New Jersey and New York, like that's fun. Those are, those are cool things. Um, so it's cool to just put, put something up there and have an idea for an adventure that other people can do because they have the, you know, the beta, um, which I think is the, one of the most exciting things about the FKT site to me. Thank you. Good point. I feel the same way. It's essentially a bucket list. You can cruise the site. You're going to go visit a different place. You live in Missoula, Montana. So someone could see your uh, route that you put up here. Say, hey, I'll give that a go. And uh, that will be linked in the written show notes. You wrote a really fun uh, full-length report, which will also be linked uh, through your trip report. If someone wants to follow up on the Rattlesnake Loop. But back to your credibility here. I mean, you have run a marathon distance 52 times once per week a few years ago. You bicycled across America. You finished uh, 300 milers, including Run Rabbit Run, which you've made a, you didn't mention this, but I know you made a really good video on this for REI. Yeah, um, it's called How to Run 100 Miles. Um, which I thought was just a clever title, but apparently people do click on it thinking it's an instructional video and it is not. It's a, it was, I wanted to tell my friend Jason's story, his life story, which is all about persistence. And he and I had been starting into ultra marathons and, um, getting into bigger and bigger distances. And we said, well, let's sign up for a hundred. And that's what we signed up for. And, uh, 
it was it was amazing. I think um, I would not advise anyone try to produce and direct a film while they're trying also trying to run their first hundred mile race. Um, but I survived both, and uh, you know, I just I wanted. Uh, yeah, we were making the film for a client, I guess you'd say for REI or REI paid for it is another way to look at it. But I really just wanted to, I just wanted Jason's mom to like the film and uh, she did. So, uh, but yeah, it's got, it's gotten quite a bit of mileage, quite a bit of views on YouTube. Um, and it's been, it's been super cool to be able to share his story with so many people because most of the time you're only able to to tell a friend's story like one one person at a time, you know, you'll, you'll say, you know, you would really love to hang out with my friend, Bob, you guys would really get along. And the, I find myself telling so many people about Jason, I figured, you know what, this doesn't scale, I think I could do better. And if I just put his story into a film, more people would find out about him. Um, so, so it, it works for that. And it was, it was fun to try to do that. Wow. Well, I'm going to put a link to how to run a hundred miles in the written show notes. If someone wants to, track down that video it's really good i mean it's like you said it's bounced around the internet it probably still is because i think as we start off this conversation by saying you speak for most people in the sport they're not out conquering anything there's not a lot of fame and glory in ultra running and you kind of you kind of nail it so i'll finish up your last sport highlight in your written bio have eaten pizza in 38 states and 12 countries. Yes. Have you, where are you, I wonder where you're reading this bio from. Is that from my website? Because no, I create a bunch of different Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, it's like a way of, you know, like people, people make lists of things like visiting every courthouse in every, or, uh, not every courthouse, every capital in every state or something like that, or visiting every state. And I thought, well, I could probably do, you know, I could probably try to do pizza in every state. And a friend of mine and I have this ongoing conversation of pizza and what, what constitutes a pizza, you know, is like, is like Middle Eastern flatbread that does have cheese on it, but no tomato sauce. Or if it has tomatoes, is that pizza? And, you know, I think pizza is this, it's a global thing at this point. I've had pizza in Many, many countries, uh, including 12, 12, yeah, according to your, yes, yeah, <laughs> including durian pizza in China, uh, pizza with durian fruit on it. And, um, oh, wait a minute. No, that, yeah, I, I, mm, I, if people do not know what a durian is, they're in for a big surprise. Yeah. I, yeah. And, um, well, it's this fruit, um, that's in, in Asia, I think just sort of Southeast Asia or Eastern Asia, maybe it's, maybe it's all over China, but, um, it smells so bad, quote unquote bad. Um, it's an acquired taste, but there are certain countries that you cannot eat it on public transportation. It's illegal. Um, and <laughs> when I was in China for a film festival and the young man leading me around, Jerry said, I know you love pizza. We're going to go get durian pizza. And I said, great. Oh, and wow. Oh, we're looking wow. at the menu and he goes, so there's like scales of how intense the durian is from one to five. <laughs> I think, I think we need to set you at like one. And I said, that's, that's perfect, man. You know? Um, but it, it is truly all over the place. You know, you like travel to all these European countries and, um, and you'll find that there's like a pizza and kebab stand everywhere, you know? And it's like, pizza is probably 
I would say it hasn't probably ruined very many people's lives despite spreading all over the globe, you know, and um, it, it's almost, it's, I think it's a better invention than the internet in that sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, wow. Okay. I mean, this is, yeah. Right. And there's you heard it first things. here. Okay, <laughs> listeners, you heard it first here on the fastest known podcast. Pizza is a better invention than the internet. Can this be disputed? Um, all right. I mean, probably, right? But like, if I have a really bad day, Sometimes I go, well, at least I didn't invent Facebook. That would feel really bad. You know, uh, my problems are very small compared to, I mean, I wouldn't be able to sleep if I were Mark Zuckerberg, but, um, you know, anyway. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Well, we have, this is interesting because anytime you make a list, like you made a list of how many countries you've eaten pizza and you have to define what a pizza is. So on fastestknowntime.com, we are continually teasing that one apart. Uh, this mm-hmm. week, in fact, we're having this big internal discussion on the Prezi Traverse, the presidential traverse in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. where a really good guy, really good runner, just established a new FKT, but he did it by going in the late winter on top of the snow, and the firm, the snow is very firm, rather than running on the trail or the rocky trail actually can slow you down. So hmm. oddly, paradoxically, he had he possibly faster conditions going on the snow than in summer. So we're, you know, you know, hashing out what to do about that. But fortunately, it did not involve eating a durian. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I am new to this idea. A friend of mine who's lived here for several years uh, told me that about our like local stuff. He was like, yeah, a lot of the fastest times fall here in the winter because, you know, it's a, you're actually able to bomb downhill faster um, in micro spikes or, or what, what have you, uh, as opposed to going down rocky trails. Um, so that's interesting. What was the what was the actual decision? Uh, I think we're actually, we're we're 95% there. I think we're going to flag it, uh, because the, it's so, wow. We're going, we could go in a little rabbit hole, but I, you asked a very good question. We just spent like a couple hours on this discussion. So I will just share with everybody how the internal thinking goes on things like this, which is to create a level and fair playing field. And then an environmental consideration is important, which is you have to stay on the trail. Mm-hmm. That's key. Because if you cut a switchback and huh. do anything like that, you're stepping on alpine tundra. You don't want to do that. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Trail runners go as fast as you can, but we don't litter, right? We mm-hmm. don't step on alpine tundra. We don't break laws. Uh, we may be complete jerks, but we don't do things like that. Mm-hmm. Now he did it in the winter. So he was not stepping on any Alpine tundra, but that meant he could not do switchbacks a little bit. He was following a boot track, which naturally didn't follow the trail. So his overall distance was slightly shorter than the previous FKT holder. Huh. See? Yeah, right. It's a Fascinating. Tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. How much, how much distance was, how much was the difference? He was uh, one mile slower than the previous person, 
Okay. Uh, 17.68. I mean, I have it right here. I mean, if you want to just bore you to death, 17.68 <laughs> miles versus 18.71 miles. I mean, this is what we do. I'm not making yeah. it up. I wish I was making it up. And uh, the next closest was 17.99 miles compared to 17.68 miles. See what I mean? So there was yeah. no mathematical formula that we could objectively apply to solve the situation. I would like to make this black and white. Here's the formula. You're either on one side of it or you're, you're not. Yeah. You're unable to do a clear mathematical formula, so I had to go back to a judgment call. What is in the best interests of everybody? Yeah. Well, that's that's a really interesting thought and conversation. To get well, into, if you'd sure. like to volunteer with Fast, I, you know, there's some job openings here. Uh, <laughs> you could become a podcast host. Uh, <laughs> you are a podcast host, actually. You're on, uh, what's the name of the podcast that you co-host on? Off the Couch. Yeah, Off the couch. I, have a, I have a hard enough time uh, dedicating a couple couple episodes a week to, or a, a month to that, like showing up for those. So, um yeah, I appreciate it, but I got this other thing going on. I think I might stick with, and oh, I'm okay. still a pa- I'm still a Patreon donor for Fastest Known Time. I think that's my that's where I can contribute the most. Well, thank you, thank you very much for doing that. In fact, I am a Patreon donor to SemiRad.com. So just to stay with that a minute, I think people should be aware that this, to a certain degree, is how it works. You are making a business. You're making a living. You're providing great content. You're providing a great service. And in the age of the internet, you have to figure out how to monetize it so you can keep doing it. It's as simple as that. You're not going to volunteer your time. Maybe you would, but your wife, Hillary, would throw you out. So you have to monetize it. That's totally legit. And so people, I'm doing a little essay here, have to realize the internet is never free. You made that joke about Facebook. And they're, of course, making billions of dollars selling you data, feeding you ads, things like that. And so it's never free. Someone is always monetizing it somewhere. So if you find something you like, whether it's semirad.com or fastestknowintime.com, kick in a little bit, please. That's what I do. That's what you are doing. And so keep in mind, it's never free. So please value what you want to see stick around. Thank you for the little editorial comment there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, th- I take uh, people say like, where's the best place to buy your book? And I always say, buy it from the bookstore you want to close the least. So if you have a bookstore <laughs> in your town and you don't want it to close, buy it there. You know, if you want to save $2 and if you love Amazon, buy it from Amazon. But I think about that like, you know, I mean, yeah, if, if the finances don't work out for me, I'm... I get a real job, you know, and, and the art goes away, you know, this, this continual feed of free stuff that gets pumped out on a weekly basis is like, like, man, you know, I, it's fun, but I got to eat too. So it's like, and I, I have a great time with Patreon. I'm, I'm a donor to, I think like 12 different people's, um, Patreons, including fastest known time, but also like trail sisters. That's how they make a chunk of money. Um, and I think it's just a great way to, to be able to put your money where your mouth is. Um, so yeah. Good call. You're doing a good job. You are kicking out the content. I get it. Friday inspiration in my email box every Friday. So, uh, a definite plug, unabashed plug, semi-rad.com. It's a semi-rad.com, I should say. And the illustrations are just killer. And, 
coming back to the topic, your book. Yeah. So the title kind of says a lot right here. I hate running and you can too. So it, it, it's a tongue in cheek title. It's not like, you know, kick ass. You know, it's uh it's not this total upbeat thing. It's a little bit tongue in cheek. But as I started to peruse it, Brendan, this is one of the best books I've ever read about running. I can just flat out say this. And I've I've seen a few. I've got Oh, my gosh. Of course, I've got signed copies of Scott Jurek's two books, Chrissy Mails, Anish Heather Anderson, Travis Macy. Oops, I shouldn't have started this thread because I'm leaving out friends of mine who have written books on running, and now I can't remember all of them. <laughs> Sorry about that. I shouldn't have said anything. But my point – oh, David Horton. I just thought of him. But my point is I think next to Chris's book uh, – Born to Run, which is probably the best, most influential book ever written about running. Yeah, I hate running is probably is probably the second best book I've ever seen. It's it's really really good. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. I think I wanted to like try to convince people they could do it if they weren't already doing it. If they were curious, you know, or if they were um, thinking about could I do like the couch to five k thing. But I also want to try to capture some of the uh, sentiments that we have as people who have run for years and years and years um, and help people explain that to to their friends and family. Because anybody who runs ultra distances, fastest known times, marathons, anything like that, I think we're all the weird person at the office or in the family, you know, and, <laughs> and a lot of times we struggle with how to explain that to people. Like, why would you do something like that? So it's fun to like, try to try to break it down to more simple terms and, and, you know, give it to give it to people. And I hope that longtime runners too, will look at it and go, Oh, this graph right here on page, whatever, 87, this is, I showed this to my, my family, you know, and they get it now or they, they kind of understand me. So, um, I hope so. And I, I agree with what you said, like born to run definitely was a huge influence on me, um, years ago. And I mean, there's the happy runner also, uh, oh, by David, David Roche. Yep. Oh, and good point. the, the oatmeal's book, the terrible and wonderful reasons why I run long distances. Um, those are in my relentless forward progress by Brian Powell. Um, See? those are all super influential. Yeah. Look at me. I'm just like selling. <laughs> These are people oh, yeah. getting mad at me because I forgot to mention their book a minute ago. No, but there's so many. And I think a lot of them, I think where I saw I could come in was sort of, there's, there's a lot of memoirs by really successful runners, which are inspiring like Scott Jurek, you know, of course, and Jenny Jurek, their, their book North, uh, or like Dean Karnazes or all the people who are fast marathoners. Um, but you know, that's one way to inspire people. And I thought, gosh, what, what's, how can we get in at a lower level, you know, and, and show people that it's mm -hmm. possible. And I think that's what I was trying to do, I guess. You did it. So I will do a so-called book review, which means I will say a few worthless bits of tripe that don't really mean anything and <laughs> uh, print a bunch of your illustrations, which I think do mean something. Your illustrations, let's take a crack at it right now. This sure. is tough. We're going to attempt the verbal description of a visual item. Page 100, a chart titled, People Who Get to Decide What the Point of All Your Running Is. 
Do you remember this one? Yep, so I'm looking a at circle, it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a pie graph. It's a pie chart, classic pie chart. And blue is you. You're the one who gets to decide the point. And red is other, other people who get to decide the point of your running. And the entire pie chart is blue. There isn't any red. Boom, right? A picture yeah. is worth a thousand words. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the beautiful thing about running is it's just a hobby that you can do and you don't have to like report to anyone or, you know, tell anyone how it's going. You can just do it for you and decide what you want to do it for. And, and you can go and do that. Um, that's what I think is great about it. But yeah, these charts, I always like, there's lots of different ways to draw charts and there, you know, if you really were going to get into like academic, um, really, really well put together charts, you would get a little beyond what I do. But I think the most important thing is that people understand them, whether or not they went to, like they took a statistics course within the last five years. And, um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many different charts. Every once in a while, someone will, uh, you know, comment on one of my Instagram things and be like, you didn't label the Y axis. And I'm like, it's because it's, it's like, <laughs> it's not important for this. Like I'm literally saying that, you know, dogs have no concept of time, which is, you know, proven <laughs> like we don't need to get it like, like, Oh my God. So, um, so yeah, like it's, it's, you want people to be able to take a look at it in five seconds and go, Oh, I get that, that I get what that means, you know? So right. the, the pie charts, like the easiest way to do that. Um, but yeah. Good. And five seconds is indeed my attention span. So this works great for me. I think we have less than that nowadays, you know, it's like maybe three. So yeah, you can't, you can't be making things super complicated. And I've realized that like I put together complicated charts and gone, yeah, that's not going to work. People aren't going to react to that because they don't, they literally do not think they have time or they don't want to spend that much time with it before they scroll on to the next thing. So it's a, it's an interesting time to be trying to create stuff um, for sure. Well, your charts will not apparently appear in the New York Times or the Washington Post, but they definitely do appear on a regular basis in Outside Magazine. So you've been working at this, Brendan. You've mm -hmm. really, you're one of these people who is born to write. You know what I mean? So other people might be okay at it. They might want to do it. But someone like you, you have to do it. And you've been working truly hard at this for decades and could we say that you are now successful? I mean, you got these books out. You have hopefully enough people. You could use more Patreon subscribers. And outside, which has got a pretty big reach, you're a regular columnist there. Could we say you've made it? You know, it's funny. I asked that question of somebody else, uh, the ginger runner, Ethan Newberry, and he kind of just shot it back at me. Like, really? Like who, whoever makes it, you know? And I was like, yeah, you're right. That's a good, good point. But yeah, man, I mean, like I was able to, in 2012, I quit my last day job, my last real job where um, I was doing remote copyright work, copywriting work for IBM, but I was able to go full on in adventure writing um, because I had a couple, like a regular gig with adventure journal where I thought I could live at basically I could survive off of what I was making per month there. And with a few more gigs, I could probably make it okay. And I remember the day I shipped my computer back to IBM, my work computer. And it was just like from, I was in Salt Lake. I was living in my van, you know, visiting a friend and I shipped it. And I just thought this is potentially a massive, massive mistake. And I went to my friend's house. I was crashing on his couch at Chris and 
he came home from work. He worked at Black Diamond at the time. And he said, what'd you do today? And I go, well, I quit my job. And he goes, man, congratulations. That is so <laughs> awesome. You know, and, and um, I was worried for a few months and, and then things came together to the point where I was able to make enough of a living. Like you're scratching a living out, but uh, it's, it's amazing. So I think like I've been successful since that day, I guess, to me. Um, so yeah, you, you always think, you always think like, I wonder what that'd be like to have a New York times bestselling book or whatever. And then you start to realize that a, that may never happen, but B there's like, if you connect with people and you give people what I think of as sort of digital greeting cards to send to each other and, um, you know, connect with their friends over some of the stuff you make, that's, that's really successful. And if you can pay rent, that's great too. Um, so obviously if I couldn't pay rent, I would stop doing it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been, I wouldn't say beyond my wildest dreams because my wildest dreams are probably like way, way more like maybe I'd have a Tesla. I don't know. I have no idea, but, uh, yeah, man, you know, I can like, I have a, I have an actual office now, which is a huge thing for me. It's one room with all my crap in it. Um, so I don't know what the mark is, but I, I think you always keep chasing it and trying, trying to get better. You know, I, I think about it in, in running terms when we, um, when we have guests on our, on our show, it's not really, um, it's, it's people from all, all parts of, you know, the, the culture and all different rates of, or all different speeds and all different levels of success. And one of the questions I like to ask if we have time is, how are you getting better as a runner if you're not with, you know, how are you getting better as a runner, but not necessarily getting faster? You know, I think, I think there's one way to look at running is like, I need to get X time in X race, or I need to qualify for the Boston marathon or something like that. But as we get older, those things start to slip away a little bit and you're like, well, maybe I'll never be that fast. And I think like, okay, well, how are you continuing to, find goals and improving maybe you're just improving as a person through running you know so i like to ask people that question to to find that out from people because getting faster is one thing but um i don't think it's the only thing and i think the more interesting things to me are the things that aren't just getting faster so yeah that's is that successful what's what is success i think is a thing you continually um hopefully re uh recalibrate throughout life i guess wow i'm glad i asked that question i'm glad you answered it i'm uh, furiously trying to scribble these notes down so i could learn from this a little bit hopefully hopefully i can learn from this a little bit good job brendan that was, <laughs> thanks that's well done i think that's what great humor you have a lot of humor in what you do obviously that's what great humor always contains is deep wisdom. Uh, it's funny when it's partially true, right? Oh, when yeah. we're seeing from a different perspective. I mean, just I've always found the three stooges when I was a kid growing up. I didn't think they're funny at all. I didn't, didn't really like it. Uh, when You have to honor your topic. You have to respect your topic. And then there's wisdom to be had in taking that offhanded perspective. There's an it can be insightful, if not transcendent. 
Yeah, I, I wonder if you and I should talk about why we don't think the Three Stooges are funny because I didn't, as a kid either, I just didn't get it. You know, it just this was not fun to me. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, but like, I, I hesitate yeah. to say that because I thought I was the only one who thought that. I, they just grossed me out. It's like, what is this? I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. So, yeah, I know. Well, we have that in common for sure. But yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like this is not this is not my experience. I don't want people to jab me in the eye and think it's funny. You know? <laughs> I think there was too much empathy for Larry, Larry, Moe, and Curly. I, like they were always just like smacking each other and stuff, and I just didn't get it. But yeah, I, I mean, I think like most good humor does get to the heart of somebody's experience, and I think most of the time, my rule, um, and this is as much to avoid arguing with people on the internet than anything is it's it's okay to make fun of us it is not okay to make fun of them in in what i do because i just think it like if you make fun of us and say aren't ultra runners like ridiculous people who do this really dumb thing that brings us together as ultra runners but if you say aren't ultra runners idiots look at those morons doing this stuff i can't believe someone would spend six months training for a race so they could run for 24 to 30 hours straight. That's so stupid. Then you're just making fun of people and splitting us apart. So like, what's the point of that? Um, and that basically is the fuel that Twitter runs on. I think a lot of times, um, is just people jabbing at each other. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's not, we don't need more of that right now. At least I don't need more of it. Uh, maybe some people do, but I feel like it's a bad, it's a time where we can, we can work on other things. Coming together is way better. Yeah. Um, and you moved apart, at least for me. You were living a long time in Denver, of course. Now you moved up to Missoula, Montana. And apparently your wife, Hillary, is she happy up there? Or does she say, oh, my gosh, my husband, he's a romantic, he's a writer. You know, I got to put up with this. So, I mean, how's the, I mean Montana is beautiful. Not saying it's not particularly in July and August, but you know, here it is March. Are you, is it still reasonable being up there? Oh yeah. Um, I'm not supposed to talk about it, that, that it's nice here. Right. That I'm not supposed to say anything positive about this area, but um, yeah, Denver was actually a little warm for me for, for many years. Oh. I'm just like, I don't function super well in, in heat and the dry air. Um, so it's high, it's dry. It just like, I didn't, um, the climate is a little better for me. The winter is going to be longer for sure. Um, but I've, I always thought of Denver as it's a great city. I love it. I love it so much, but uh, I, th I always think of it as a place where you can visit winter most of the year. You know, you can, you can drive an hour and an hour and a half and be in like full on winter, but sometimes you come back down in February and you're like, Hey, do you want to sit outside while we eat burritos? Cause it's that warm. Um, so Yeah. And really, if we had, if we had a dream, like I would say we are here more for Hillary than, than me, I would love to live in like New York, Detroit, Seattle, you know, bigger city, uh, and not necessarily need to be close to the mountains as much. Um, but, or at least try that. But I think we, we're definitely both loving access to trails and stuff like that. I, uh, I sometimes think, I don't know if I need to have the mountains in my life so much, but I also question how long I would last if I were to spend, you know, a couple of years in, in the, the flatlands of, of my youth uh, and try to move back there and try to find fun. But it could be an interesting experiment. Um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. You did, you were in Michigan for quite a while last year, right? Like I was, you, you seem to find a lot of stuff to do. If I can believe your Strava, which made it look pretty. <laughs> yeah. I was like, God, Buzz is making this look pretty fun. I, maybe, maybe I could <laughs> get back there. Well, thank you very much. Well, it's uh at an easy metric on that one, which is I could train, train, train on running. And if I had hired David Roach as a coach, who's extremely good on all levels, as you know, you know, technically Mm -hmm. and metaphysically. Mm -hmm. And I did everything he said for two years, two years later, I would be worse than I am now. That's the age game that I'm playing, climbing, biking, running, scrambling, et cetera. So I'm now paddling. I took up Mm -hmm. surf ski. I'm getting better. So I've got a sport that I'm improving at, which is kind of fun. So I go back to Michigan. We got the big blue water, the big lake. Mm-hmm. I go out there in these pretty good waves and I could do, I, I've done up to you know, 35 miles a day and I've had some pretty good surfing runs. So I have a sport that I'm actually improving at. It's clean air, it's clean water, it's good food. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows, you know, like how long does the obsession with vertical terrain last, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, there's different and, and the, the Midwest is very under, underreported how, how cool some of the adventures you can have are, have there are, you know, especially Michigan, like people don't know, people don't know about the UP, you know, all these other crazy things. Uh, we focus a lot of attention on Utah and the Rockies and, uh, the Sierras and stuff. We don't hear about the Midwest as much, but it's there, as you know. You are correct, and we have reserved our space in the ferry to Isle Royal. Oh, really? Second week in July, which is the least visited by far national park in the entire national park system. More people visit supposedly Yellowstone in one day than visit Isle Royal yeah. the entire year. <laughs> well, it's yes. a four-hour ferry ride just to get to it. It only goes like twice a week too, right? Um, now it's a little bit more than that. You know, okay. Fit that 10,000 people per year in. So that's what's <laughs> yeah. next for me. So what's next for you? This is my standard question, by the way. What's next, uh, whether that's writing, running, or any other endeavor you'd like to share, Brendan? Boy, yeah. Um, yeah, I just continue the treadmill of creating things on a weekly basis. So right now I'm trying to trying to argue that Balzac's coffee consumption in the 19th century was not, not as impressive as people believe, but uh, that'll, that'll be on my blog tomorrow. Um, but yeah, race wise, I was signed up for the CCC uh, in Chamonix and Oh really? Yeah. I was signed up last year and it was postponed and this year I'm like kind of in a holding pattern. And I think, I don't know, I think it might just be better to put it off another year if I can. Um, but, and there's some, I'm really uh, excited for things to start opening up again and start to get together with people and race and volunteer and do all sorts of things. Um, I'm signed up for the rut, uh, 50 K in September here in Montana, um, which will be the steepest race I've ever done, I think. Um, so that'll be awesome. And as things open up and, as we start to all get vaccinated, I think there'll be more, more fun things. Um, and I'm trying to put together, hopefully put together sort of a book tour for the late fall. Um, if we're gathering in person by then, so try to get to a bunch of different cities and just meet people and hang out and talk about running and maybe, maybe sign some books too. So hopefully that's able to happen. Yeah. 
Good call. CCC is quite the circus there. It's totally different than anything that takes place anywhere oh, yeah. in North America. So I recommend it once in a career just to see the scene. It's it's oh, totally yeah. unique. And then the other end of the spectrum is the rut. Right? Yeah. It's yep. kind of just go opposite that. So good for you. But the book tour, if this book tour comes to your city, dear listener, go attend it. Because Brendan, I've seen you speak, of course here in Boulder at Neptune Mountaineering, you're good mm-hmm. to put on a show. And that's what, you know, you, you take, you take your craft seriously. You don't just show up like a pro runner and say, yeah, I'm cool. Look at me. You work <laughs> at, you, you present good content. Maybe it's cause I'm not cool. Like pro runners are <laughs> get to work harder. <laughs> you're not going to see me cause I'm cool. So let's, uh, let me, let me show you what I put together. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Well, yeah. I hope to hear about your book tour. And again, I hate running and you can too. Go to the written show notes for a link to purchase it. Purchase it at your local bookstore if possible, the one you don't want to close. Yeah. Brendan, I really, really agree. It's great to talk virtually online, but I do hope I see you in person sometime. Awesome. Me too. Thanks for having me, Buzz. Buzz.